0: I dropped my bow i had a 10 millimeter in my pack so i reached around in my holster underneath my arm had my 10 millimeter ready Uh, my buddy mike had a 45 uh, and then cody my buddy behind me all he had was his bow so he knocked an arrow and the three of us were in there standing there in a triangle and you could we could just we were just waiting because this bear was coming right at us and uh, all of a sudden i could see the silhouette of his head come through it was nothing short of 10 paces, that brown bear. And we figured him to be at least a nine-foot brown bear uh, coming to us. So um, yeah, it was, uh, I would say, one of the most nerve-wracking times I've ever been in uh, in, in the woods. Um, I was shaking, and my heart didn't stop racing for 30 minutes after that. Hey, listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord Arrow Rest, the bow hunter's number one followaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment in their patented.
1: hi welcome to interviews with the hunting masters brought to you by the sneak tech sneak boot uh today we're gonna do a little recap of the season little uh, storytelling session with my uh with my buddy lucas paul and uh lucas runs a podcast uh rna outdoors um so he's uh he's no uh, stranger to the podcasting
0: so what's going on man how you doing, John? Good talking to you, man. How you doing? Oh, uh,
1: I'm um,
0: like I said a little bit
1: earlier here when we right before we got on, uh, I'm a little beat up.
0: Yeah, just,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I went I went sheep hunting for I was only there for four days, but um, it was a lot of uh, getting up really 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 early because uh, we were staying pretty far, like almost two hours from okay. where we were on. Um and we did we traveled a lot like I, I did 34 miles on my quad in one day
0: wow that's covered I almost a lot of country
1: hike 10 miles than ride 20 34 <laughs> miles on a quad yeah it could be rough um yeah it's all just broke up nasty country um but it's kind of a necessity over there you have to be able to like stick and move stick and move sure um that and i, and I got a freaking eye infection which sucks.
0: Cause oh, it's even super better.
1: Distant, you down there and all the crap is in my eyes and then riding right the quad. And yeah, so. And I didn't bring my goggles, so I was just wearing sunglasses, which was stupid of me.
0: Well, all you had to do but, was say you went sheep hunting, so I think we all understand you're beat up a little <laughs> bit. Nothing easy about that.
1: <laughs> you know what? Honestly, desert sheep hunting isn't really. People always think, oh, I'm going to go sheep hunting. I'm going to be climbing the mountains and. And the way Arizona is mostly, it's all these sky islands, sure. you know, all these mountains that are, uh, you know, just seem to jet up from the, the flats, and you kind of just keep driving around the mountain and glassing up. Yeah, when you find a sheep, you're going after it. But I was just a spotter, so I wasn't climbing shit. Yeah, no, for <laughs> but, sure. Um, yeah, so it well, that's was, awesome. It wasn't, too, it wasn't too physically demanding; it was more mentally just. I had that, that same tag two years ago, and um, I had a completely different experience. Plus, I, I mean, I scouted a lot more, so sure. uh, my cousin Anthony, unfortunately, um, he doesn't have the, the time off and, and, and whatever, and the freedom to go um, and, and do the scouting, so he only got down there once, I think, maybe twice. and. Uh, really didn't turn much up so he was kind of relying on me at all we went to a lot of the spots that i hunted and the sheep just aren't really in there at least not the big ones
0: uh-huh.
1: um, i did get down there one time for him and we we glassed up um, a really really big like a world-class ram and he was he was in the same area that i i shot my sheep and when we went back down there so that was in october when i found him i hadn't been there since october he is now on military that's restricted that i couldn't get to gotcha um we've i refound him and um he's just an absolute stud he'd probably be the biggest sheep ever taken out of that unit wow We're pretty pretty near close anyway so
0: Huh. interesting yeah you know here in california we've got a uh quite a few you know opportunities for sheep um mm-hmm. and you talk about military you know the uh, oracopia unit down uh kind of on the southwest end of california that's the unit that uh you know goliath was taken out of there's a military range there um that that ram had actually gotten onto um, into the chocolate mountains and uh, when they get back in there oh, um, yeah. you can't hunt them and they had lost that ram you know keek had actually lost that ram for over a year and then they turned it back up the year jason had that tag and Um, But just a just a neat story. But it, you know, when those animals get caught up on those military bases, if you can't get access Mm -hmm. on them, you know, they've got water, they've got feed, they've got everything they need there. They're never going to leave. So that makes it tough.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, We talked to a BLM guy, too. He said a lot of them because they didn't really need they're usually in where I hunted them because because of water. Uh and because we got some late rains here uh and they got a bunch of green up on the other side they didn't really they don't need to not tied to it so that's why they aren't staying yeah there's a lot of ohv use right there so you know that'll drive
0: them out for sure
1: yeah i mean it's year round and they'll they'll put up with it if they have to because they have to stay there for water but when they they don't need to be there they're out yeah
0: yeah gotcha well, so cool, you had man. a
1: pretty uh, pretty busy hunting season so far.
0: Yeah, yeah. This year was uh, nothing short of a marathon, if if you want to call it that. Um, you know, just I guess tell listeners a little bit about myself. Yeah. So you were saying, I do host a, a podcast, R and A Outdoors. We've been doing it um, just under three years now. So it's been fun to uh, you know you know catch up with people in the industry and and talk about hunting, talk about. You know, a lot of different types of things that that we all love to do. Um, yeah. So so this year um, specifically, uh, I typically start my time out in the spring. So, you know, basically from now until like March, I consider my off season. So I'm you know rehabbing my legs, um, trying to get my body back from the torture that I put on it, basically from summer through fall. Uh, but here in California, you know the beauty of California is is there's a lot of species to hunt here in California. Um, mm-hmm. Most people are going to say as a non-resident, I'm never going to go to California and hunt. But John, as you know, you come out and blacktail hunt, you know, with us out All here right. every year. So there's a lot of opportunity for non-residents to come out uh, and hunt. You know, you're not going to be able to hunt the elk and the in the sheep species if you unless you're really really lucky and and potentially draw one of those tags. But um, you know, year-round oh, we know. can hunt wild pigs here. <laughs> um, so the pig hunting is, is just a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm a guide here as well. So, so I take folks out on occasion. And then we do some selected pig hunts, um, in the spring. Um, the Rio Grande Turkey is, is always fun to chase. Um, we've got a great Turkey flock here yeah, on the central coast. Turkey over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, in the, in bear, the springtime, yeah, in the springtime, there's, there's just a ton of stuff to do. Uh, and, and that pig hunting will run typically into the early part of the summer, uh, when the crop heads out. Uh, and then from there they, they kind of go nocturnal. So yeah, mm-hmm. basically from like March till July, um, you know, we're chasing turkeys and pushing pigs around. Um, and then, uh, in July of this year, um, I went to Africa. So I, I took my first, uh, African safari, uh, with Elon safaris in Limpopo on the Northern end, of South Africa. And, um, just had a phenomenal time. There was a group of eight of us that went uh, across the pond, and uh, we just had a great time. Uh, you know, we I think in the group of eight, I think we took forty-eight animals in total. Jesus, um, there was um, four archery hunters, including a female. We one of my good friends. Oh, so you wife. did it with the bow, right? Yeah. So uh, I saw. Yeah, I saw a lot of the pictures. Yeah, I connected on uh, nine animals there, uh, all with my bow, and uh, you know, just a, a couple a couple pieces from that. Um, you know the the African experience with a bow is a little different. Um, it's, it's mm-hmm. not like hunting Western big game, you know, here in the Western States, but you know, blind over water. yeah, when you go to Africa, you sit in a blind and, and you sit over water and, and, you know, it's, it's a part of their hunting culture and heritage and why they do that. And part of me was, you know, thinking, man, I want to get out and, and walk around and and actually mm-hmm. see this country. But when you realize that's how they do it, you know, you, you, you tend to respect their culture. So um, yeah, so we sat water, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, obviously nerve-wracking and, and trying to read books and other things to keep, you know, to keep track of time, but um, we just saw a, an awesome array of animals. Um, first animal came into water, was a really nice Impala ram, connected on that. Um, next day, um, I doubled on my kudu. Um, I shot a kudu, uh, and then I also got my warthog, uh, just had a wow. phenomenal day. That kudu I shot was uh, almost a 57-inch kudu, um, so just mm. a, a really nice representative species of the animal. Um, next day, I'm hunted in Inyala and Blesbuck on the same waterhole, doubled down on that one as well. Uh, so, Jeez. I was here at day three, uh, and I'd already put five animals in the salt, which is what they say in South Africa, because um, they put all the heads <laughs> in a big salt bay. So, um, so after that, I was going to be a little more selective because we were there for eight days. Uh, and then I went out uh, and shot another nice Impala, um, hunted a Gimsbach, uh, and ended up getting a 40-inch female Gimsbach, uh, which is, if you, if you know the, or know much about Gimsbach, you know, the 40-inch club is something that, uh, you know, people most of their life will never, ever get into. And I had no idea what that was uh, until I was sitting on this waterhole, uh, and my uh, PH, um, who was just a, just an awesome guy, um, you know, basically was pointing, you know, we were trying to shoot a bull, but, but he wanted me to take this female. So I did. And she measured out at over 40 inches. So just a giant, giant um, representative of a Gimsbach. Uh, and then my last two hunts, I got to say, were probably my favorite. Uh, and, and they were all in the same day. I, I doubled down on the same day we went and I had gotten a baboon permit to hunt baboons. Um, oh, so right. most people are like, yeah, why do you want to go hunt a baboon? Well, when you go to South Africa, uh, there are two species in South Africa you actually have to apply for permits for, and that's a baboon and a monkey. So I wasn't too hip on, on monkeys, but baboon definitely uh, was something I thought, well, for 50 bucks, you know, I might as well do it. So we went over um, to this hunting concession um, that has a big problem with baboons, actually, to the extent that they're, um, you know, you know, they're jeopardizing they're crops, they're doing a lot of things to, to really um, impact the livelihood of the African people there. Um, So, you know, basically they say, if you got a permit, come and shoot as many of them as you want. Well, I had my bow, so I wasn't going to be too picky. But uh, we sat on our first stand, uh, and uh, we had a big female come in. And you have to shoot males there. Um, So the female would come in, grab a few tomatoes, and get right off the patch. Because I think she'd had a few arrows flung at her, or at least maybe her boyfriends had had a few arrows flung at her in the past. Um, And then we heard uh, just a shriek, shriek, just really loud kind of squeal uh, in, in the bush and this big male baboon came walking out uh, and he walked right in and the funny thing about them is is they're very skittish um, so when you sit uh, in a blind uh, you know we were sitting over water in a, in a tomato pile um, they can see everything so we're in black in the, in the in the shooting lane and the actual blind was so small um, that you literally I basically almost had to take my stabilizer off because you have to get so close to make sure you know you don't hit the actual blind. When you're shooting, but um, I had this baboon come in. He came right in to about 30 yards, uh, and he was sitting there. Uh, and I was just had just had enough angle, um, and I shot, and I put one right through his shoulder, uh, and just piled him up. And I, I don't know why it was one of my favorite hunts, but um, they had never had anyone take a baboon with a bow um, in their concession. Uh, so, you know, when I told them I was doing that, they were thinking, well, it, it can be done, but you know, we've never had anybody do it. Uh, we've had people try. So I thought that was pretty cool uh, to do that. Uh, and then my last hunt that I did uh, was an evening hunt, uh, and it was for a steam buck. So the the steam buck, okay. like the dick dick, they're a, they're a small antelope species. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they average anywhere from twelve to fifteen pounds full size, right? Uh, and uh, so we went out in the evening uh, and did a night hunt uh, with a spotlight. And again, I, I, I took my bow, and they're saying, well, you know, we we have definitely never taken anyone out at night to try to shoot something with a bow. I said, well. You know that just makes me even more motivated uh, to go right, out and do exactly. that, right? Challenge accepted. Exactly. So, <laughs> so we go out. We start turning up quite a few rams. Um, and the the funny thing about the steam buck is, is, is they are nocturnal species, so they're out all the way through the night. Um, and as you're driving through these fields, um, when the truck stops, like any animal, they get skittish, right? But when mm-hmm. the truck keeps moving, they just kind of hang out and they're not as concerned. Well which made me believe in my head, I was gonna to have to make a, a moving shot while the vehicle was moving on this Steam bus. So we turned up this Ram um, uh, with a small U. Uh, and um, anyway, long story short, I had three arrows in my quiver. I had already launched two uh, at this same Ram. Uh, and uh, he was at about 48 yards. Uh, and again, mind you, it's pitch dark. I got my Luminoc on. So that's about the only thing I can see in the, in the spotlight is sitting on this on this Ram. So. I shoot and the luminol goes right over his head, and I think we misjudge range. He runs across the truck and goes out and stops at 38 yards, while the trucks just slowly moving. Had my um, second to last arrow, uh, and I just piled him right in the front shoulder at 38 yards, and he went maybe 20 yards and piled up. And uh, it was started raining, and we were all out there, and the landowner was with us. One of my good buddies, Jason Quick, who is also a co-host on my podcast, was with me. It was just an awesome night. Uh, it was just so much fun, and uh, you know to. To, I guess, to take an animal with a bow and people are saying, yeah, we've never had anyone do that. It was a pretty big accomplishment. So uh, anyway, nice. yeah, that was number nine. And uh, at that point I was done. Um, I had actually vision to go and do Cape Buffalo. And uh, that just fell through midway through the hunt. Didn't actually weren't able to get on any Buffalo. So I think my mm. next trip back is, is going to do Buffalo with my bow. So anyway, nice. Africa was, was just a blast. And uh, you know, if you've never been, I think it's one of those places that you got to go once in your life. Um, It doesn't mean you got to go again and again and again, but I think everyone needs to experience Um, Africa. The culture uh, in the diversity of wildlife is just incredible there. You'll sit on a watering hole and have 20 to 30 different species of animals come in in a matter of an hour. It's, it's just incredible. So it's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so that, that kind of takes me right up to July. So after, after Africa, um you know and as you know john here here in california our deer season starts uh, the second weekend in july and that's in the a zone so i live in the a zone the central part of california um so we're literally archery hunting uh, the second weekend in july all the way through august here uh, on the coast and uh, we're chasing you know blacktails they're they're kind of a hybrid uh, columbia mule deer hybrid uh, blacktail deer um here on the coast uh, and uh You know, during the time of July, they're in velvet. Um, So, you know, from an archer standpoint, um, it's a little more lucrative to get in uh, and more conducive for archery hunters. Um, you know, in, in, in the last few years, uh, it's been great. The, we've had good rain, we've had good feed. So the crop of deer, um, have been really good. Um, this last year I hunted, um, for, um, I think I hunted, I put it down on the calendar. I think I hunted for 27 days after the same buck. Um, it was a nice three by three. Uh, and on that last day, I, I arrowed him. Um, he was in velvet. I was watching him from velvet, couldn't get on him in velvet, took him all the way into hard horn, um, got an arrow in him and, um, Hit him good, really good, um, and and, uh, just never did recover him. And it was very unfortunate because it was one of those things where, um, you know, when you get this buck on a trail cam and you're watching him, right, uh, and then you hunt him through velvet, and then you hunt him up until almost the last week of the season, finally get an opportunity, uh, and I thought I hit him really good, and I I, I think I may have hit him a little high um, and just didn't get him recovered. Um, You know, it was kind of bittersweet at the end that I didn't end up tagging him, but it was definitely a, a fun chase during that time, so... So, uh, are
1: you, how are you uh, typically hunting
0: them? I'm all spot and in stock, so um, stock, okay. yeah, so um, most of the areas obviously in California, um, you know, a lot of what we hunt here is private land, which which you know holds a lot of the deer, but there's a military base here uh, on the coast um, that allows you to go and hunt. Now, uh, it's about 200,000 acres, uh, and I shot my three by three last year uh, on that on that military base, so. I hunt that a lot and then there's also some public land going out to the forest to the west of there and that holds a lot of deer as well so I I stick to that area and uh, I hunt that um, pretty hard I'm out there you know basically all summer scouting um, you know looking at putting trail cams up trying to find turnip deer uh, and uh, just go places that you know no one else is going to go and you know that's the one thing about California there's a lot of people that that like to hunt they just don't really hunt like western big game right they don't get off the roads right. um, they drive the roads they may get out a little bit and take a little walk but really all you got to do is get off the beaten path a little bit on some of that public land and, and you'll turn up some good deer so
1: nice
0: yeah so you're
1: always you're always sending me pics after i got skunked in california <laughs> of shit that you've shot there i'm like john come
0: down here just, and to, rub it in. <laughs> just to rub it in
1: a little bit yeah
0: well and you, you've had you've had some i wouldn't say you obviously you've had ultimate success on putting a tag on a deer but you've seen a lot of deer and, you, and you've had oh yeah. you, you've obviously had some opportunities and uh you know yeah, it just
1: keeps falling apart for me at the last moment i don't know like i think it's mostly in my head at this point and i'm just uh on my own worst enemy yeah so i yeah. want it too bad so i keep making stupid mistakes
0: yeah now i'm with you and it's like no. anything, you know, if, if you lived out here, you know, you'd, you'd obviously know where to hunt, where the bucks are, but when you're on a seven to 10 day slam and you got to get out there and get it done, it, the pressure, you know, there's yeah. obviously pressure there to get it done, so.
1: I've never hunted more than six days. Okay. Never consecutively. Gotcha. Here, yeah. Over there, rather. Sure. So.
0: Yeah. So then, you know, we kind of go into September In September, um, I drew a limited entry New Mexico tag this year, um, for, mm-hmm. for, for elk. So, um, you know, that was definitely high priority on my list. I, I made a trip out in August and, and scouted for four days, put some trail cameras up, had some local Intel and, and, uh, got some folks, um, that also had drawn the tag previously and just got a lot of information. Um, but before that, I always go back to Montana. So a little bit about me, I was born and raised in Montana, um, basically 18 years of my life and then went to college in Butte, Montana for another four years. So I spent my whole childhood growing up um, in north central Montana. So Mm -hmm. if if anyone knows a little town called Chinook, uh, it's up on the High Line. It's about 20 miles south of the Canadian border, Um, you know, a a town thriving of maybe 800 people right now, small little class C um, school. But um, interesting part about that area is it sits right on the Milk River. So those that know much about um, whitetail hunting at least in the western part of the united states know that the milk river holds or what has held you know some of the biggest whitetails, right. you know you know in in the western u.s so you know we spent a lot of our younger years hunting the milk river valley um and uh, it was just just so much fun i mean i remember the days and it's it's the old pictures that you wish you had of you know the three or four 170 180 class white in the back of the truck right and you just mm-hmm. stack them up you'd go out three, four guys that go out and you'd stack up these bucks. Now it's not so much that way anymore. Um, those bucks are still there, but it's just not like it used to be, but there's still some, some great potential and, and uh, great genetics there on the milk river. So, yeah. So I go back every year, uh, visit my family. And when I do that, um, I, I take part uh, in that native non-resident program Montana does. Um, so if, if you were born in Montana, um, did your hunter safety there and you have um, a relative, which my mom and my brother both live there, um, you mm-hmm. can go back and basically hunt uh, at just over resident rates. So it makes sense to That's go back cool. and, and do my elk and, and my deer hunt. So I went back in September uh, and archery hunted uh, and um, you know we just had a great time. Again, um, there's a group of about seven or eight of us um, that kind of hook up and you know some have to work during the week, some come out during the week, but I'm there kind of on a seven day, seven to eight day deal. Uh, and uh, we hunted our hearts out. Um, I did get an arrow and a really nice six point um, this year uh, and tracked him for basically that day. Got on blood the next day uh, and uh, just was never able to turn him up, uh, unfortunately. Um, so, two in one year. That's yeah, two in, two in one year, man. And, uh, yeah, it was tough, um, you know, because, you know, you go out, you know, and, and when you're hunting in Montana, it's, it's all public land. We're, we're hunting public land uh, and uh, it's big country. Uh, but you know we're in areas that hold a lot of elk and um, we saw a lot of elk this year just didn't have a lot of opportunities uh, and I had my basically my one opportunity uh, during archery season uh, I was 38 yards uh, and uh, he was you know he was a good size six point uh, and he was pushing quite a few cows uh, and thought I made a good shot but I think again I was just a little bit high I think I only clipped one lung and um, and he got LA so so that was kind of a bummer, but, um, after that, so I, I kind of made a bonsai run. So I went up to Montana, then I drove straight down uh, to New Mexico. Um, it was wow. about a 4,000 mile, uh, 20 day trip that I took. Uh, and, um, spent the next uh, nine days uh, in new mexico and um it was interesting because randy newberg had the same tack as i did uh, in the uh, first to the 15th part of the season so i connected with him a couple days before his season ended uh, and hunted with him stayed in camp and uh, we had been sharing a lot of information leading up to the hunt anyway kind of you know what he was here and what, what i was hearing you know are the elk moved in you know what are they seeing for water and, and that kind of stuff so and that was fun to to hunt with him. It was fun to to share camp with him. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that you know Randy does for for us public land hunters. You know that I think we all take for granted uh, from a conservation standpoint. So um, it was fun to to catch up with him and do that. So then my hunt started, and um, if I could you know, if I could explain my hunt uh, in one word, you know, this unit is a top five unit in New Mexico. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's known, it, it produced the state record three years ago. Um, it's known for having big bulls. And, uh, you know, I was just disappointed, uh, unfortunately. And, and I wasn't disappointed to the fact that I didn't see elk. Every day, um, I was into you know bulls morning and evening. Um, bugling was just off the hook, so I had the tag from the fifteenth uh, to the twenty fourth of September. was oh,
1: the better part of it, yeah.
0: Yeah, so um, you know the elk were really quiet during Randy's hunt, but when it was like it was like a light switch went off on the fifteenth. Yeah. Every single night, um, I was woken up at two a.m. by bulls just screaming their lungs out, um, and uh, it was just unfortunate because I never saw one bull over three hundred inches. And I wasn't there to shoot a raghorn. Now, you know, hindsight looking back, I could have shot a raghorn. I I could have shot some smaller five points. But um, I was there, you know, to try to find, you know, a bull that I wouldn't find probably in any other unit and um, just never found that bull. And unfortunately, didn't even draw my bow back uh, in, in eight days there, nine days, including a travel day. Um, but still, um, I had two of my good buddies there for a portion of it, and then I hunted solo by myself uh, for the next five days. And um, again, wasn't a lack of trying or a lack of effort or a lack of elk. It was just didn't see anything that I got excited about and um, mm-hmm. packed up my camp on the last day uh, and drove home. So anyway, again, that hunt wasn't measured by, you know, tagging. Uh, I think it was still success, and I would definitely try to draw that tag again if I could um, just... Again, uh, was was just not overly, um, you know, excited about uh, how that hunt ended, but it was still a lot of fun. So, so yeah, yeah so September was, was a busy month for me. For sure. Yeah, it was.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Cool. So, and then um, a trip that, you know, something that uh, I've been wanting to do my whole life and my brother and I have been talking about it and uh, we just happened to get an opportunity um, Austin Atkinson uh, reached out to me last year uh, and said, you know, hey, you know, we do this hunt on Kodiak Island. You know, we take eight to ten guys. Is this something that you'd be interested in? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> very interested in. So um, I, um, I got, you know, Austin and I got in contact. And um, so, so, you know, of course, we booked that. My brother and I ended up doing that hunt. And one of my um, childhood best friends, um, a buddy of mine who's just a avid bow hunter, went and we did Kodiak Island. And um, probably one of the highlights of my year was that hunt um, for a lot of different reasons. One, because I think Kodiak Island is just a special place. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if if you've never been there, this is again, another bucket list item. Um, You know, yeah, I mean, most people will never be able to afford to hunt a brown bear on that island. But um, to go and hunt deer on that island, you know, you can get up to three deer tags. They're, you know, three to four hundred dollars a piece. And it's all DIY. It's all public land. Um, you use a charter service. They'll, they'll skiff you out onto the island, and then you go and you hunt like you know how to hunt, right? And oh, yeah. uh, that was the fun of it, uh, was the fact that we spent, um, you know, seven days on that island catching a bunch of halibut. Um, there was 10 of us on the boat. I think we shot 15 or 16 bucks. Um, and the funny thing was, is um, we had gone Basically six days, and everyone had shot a deer, but me. Um, but I was bow hunting, so um, you know, bow hunting the island is, is interesting uh, because um, you know that island uh, is very dense. And what I mean by dense is is, is when you get inland more in the bay areas, um, and we were actually in and out of Larson Bay. It was kind of the area that we were geographically in. Um, that island is is just so thick with alders uh, and devil's club and that muskag, and you will spend. Three to four hours just to gain a thousand to fifteen hundred feet elevation. It it's just yeah. unbelievable, and you can't explain it. You can't explain it unless you do it. Um, but once you get above that that scrub, oh, just that scrubby um, alder stuff, and you get up into that uh, more greener, flatter area, it's it's some of the most amazing country in the world. Um, you know, you see mountain goats. Um, one of the guys in our group had a, a mountain caribou tag. He shot a he shot a mountain caribou. Um, oh, wow. and then, yeah, and it, it's just beautiful there. So the last day I got to tell this story, mm-hmm. uh, because up until that point we had seen 10 brown bears and, um, we wow. didn't have any, I would say close encounters. Uh, one day we had one at about 90 yards. Uh, we had pushed out of the alders and he kind of came around and I ranged him at about 90 yards. So, uh, but the last day, um, I had not shot a deer yet. Uh, and it was, it was, it was kind of like one of those days. It was like D day, right? You just, you got to get it mm-hmm. done. And, um, so I went in and, uh, with, with, uh, my good buddy, Cody, who was one of my childhood best friends. And then another guy named Mike, uh, who was in our hunting group as well. And, um, we got up on the Island and we started glassing up. We started seeing deer immediately and I was sitting there and I had my binoculars on my tripod and I was looking at this three point buck. Uh, and I was thinking, you know, trying to figure out what way's the wind going? How are we going to get in on this deer? And just to my left, probably at about I would say maybe 50 yards, um, you start to hear kind of the alders kind of cracking a little bit and moving. Oh, geez. So I turn over and I look and my buddy Cody goes, yeah, I think there's some deer off to our left here. So so I turn around and I look and of course, when you start to see alders that are eight to 10 feet tall laying over, um, mm. you realize that's probably not, uh, you know, 180, 200 pound uh, Sika black-tailed deer. So um, when we turned around and saw was, you know, you could see, you couldn't, we didn't see the bear, but we saw the path that he was making in the alders. And the mm. wind was coming towards us, so he did not get our scent. He couldn't wind us, but he could hear us because we were talking. So um, I dropped my bow. I had a 10 millimeter in my pack, so I reached around in my holster underneath my arm, had my 10 millimeter ready. Uh, my buddy Mike had a 45, uh, and then Cody, my buddy behind me, all he had was his bow. So he knocked an arrow, and the three of us were in there, standing there in a triangle. And could, we could just—we were just waiting because this bear was coming right at us. And uh, all of a sudden, I could see the silhouette of his head come through. And right as he came through, there was basically an imaginary line there that I said, if he crosses this plane, um, you know, it's defense, life, or property at that point, which is the way Alaska defines DLP um, of a of a bl- of a brown bear. If, you know, if it's your self-defense, if it's your life or your property, you can take him in that event. And uh, he never did cross that line. He, he came in, he got up on his back feet, he hopped up a little bit, saw who we were, and we yelled at him, uh, and he ran off. But um, it was nothing short of 10 paces, that brown bear. And we figured him to be at least a 9-foot brown bear uh, coming to Jeez. us. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, I would say, one of the most nerve-wracking times I've ever been in uh, in, in the woods. Um, I was shaking, and my heart didn't stop racing for 30 oh, minutes okay. after that. Um I bet. That's crazy. Yeah. So, anyway, that day we ended up getting on the mountain and uh, I, I ended up getting two bucks. And uh, it was just a, just an awesome day uh, to be on that island and had two of my good buddies there to help me pack them off. So, uh, yeah, Kodiak was just awesome. And uh, I think I would definitely do it again. I think I may do it a little differently, but I definitely uh, would go back uh, and do Kodiak Island. So,
1: nice.
0: Yeah. And then, yeah, lastly, it's definitely something
1: that I've been wanting to do it it's like one of those things every year i'm like all right i'll do it next year oh, yeah i'll do it next year i'm gonna be freaking 50 before i get over there
0: yeah well you know there was a couple guys in our group um a couple more you know elderly guys that were i would say uh, one of them was probably in his mid-60s and did a couple days of of breaking that brush and getting up and he ended up shooting a pretty nice three by three so you know it, it's yeah the, the thing about Kodiak Island is you start at sea level and you're probably never going to go above 2000 feet. Right. And that, that's just yeah. the reality. But the ugly part is that first thousand feet might take you three hours to get through it. So, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just, rough. it's I've just
1: heard, rough. I've heard that by several people. Yeah. Actually, uh, Austin had invited me to go on that or asked me if I wanted to go on that hunt, uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. And I, and I tell them, I, I keep telling him I want to go, but you know, just haven't been able to do it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those hunts that, you know, we went in October, uh, the rut tends to start later in October and November, you know, which is obviously, you know, one of the better mm-hmm. times to hunt. But, um, I think if you can just get there, you're going to have a great experience, you know, whether you're there for the rut early part of the rut or even later. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And then, uh, it sounds like,
1: uh, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah.
0: And then just my last trip, I, so the one beauty about Montana is, and, and, and most that know this, um, you know, when you buy a general elk and deer license, um, it's good from archery all the way through, through rifle season. So, right. uh, because I didn't, um, connect on my elk in Montana in September. Um, I went back, uh, in November over Thanksgiving for a week and uh, spent some time with my family and, uh, went out one day and, and, uh, ended up getting a cow, cow elk. So I was able to put some elk meat in the freezer. Uh, and then, Spent the uh, next three days hunting with my brother uh, up uh, basically just south of Canada where we grew up hunting with my dad uh, and uh, chasing rutting mule deer for three days is, is just a blast up there. And, you know, that country is it's nothing like it's nothing like hunting, you know, southwest Montana. Um, North central Montana is very flat. Um, it's very plains. It, it remind you of like North Dakota. Um, the wind I mean. blows 70 miles an hour and it's, you know, minus 30 degrees, the wind chill up there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, my brother, uh, I was more insistent on helping him get a buck and we ended up turning up uh, a nice, um, you know, typical four by four whitetail, uh, and, uh, he ended up uh, hammering that. So that was fun. I didn't end oh, up nice. filling my deer tag, which was okay. Cause I'd already had a, an elk in the freezer at that point or in my truck. So, um, right. yeah, so just a, just a busy year. And, uh, had a lot of great experiences, had a lot of fun, uh, and I don't think I would have traded any of those hunts uh, for anything, even though, like I said, I wasn't successful on quite a few of them. Um, it wasn't about you know putting a tag around an animal that made any yeah. of those hunts successful, so.
1: Yeah, it's kind of hard. Like, uh, this is the first year in probably 15 years, maybe longer, no, I'd say yeah, about 15 years that I didn't fill 85% of the tags that I had. Really? I've been 85% average or better, yeah. Wow. I've had, I've had a stellar stellar run.
0: That's awesome. And, and you're doing double, what, like, like 10 sword, to 12 hunts you know, a year, because, right, aren't you?
1: What's that?
0: You're doing like 10 to 12 or 15 like hunts a yeah, year, right? About,
1: I'd say, well, the last few years since I had my son, it's been about seven to 10. Okay. But uh, prior to that, it was ten to twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, yeah, I've managed to uh, to fill a lot of tanks, and it's kind of a double edged sword because you're like, oh well, you know, look at all the success you have, blah blah blah. I've been feeling like garbage this year because of that. I'm like, did I lose my did I lose my mojo? Did I <laughs> lose a step? You know, am I sure. getting? You know, I mean, I'm not old old. I'm only forty two. But you know, it's like my am, am I just not cut out for this shit anymore? Yeah, I don't know. You know, you start doubting yourself. It's kind of a shitty feeling. Like, um, I guess when you, you get used to a certain level of of uh, performance and so certain level of success, you, you know, you expect it to be that way all the time. Yeah, I, I, would, I guess I would imagine like a you know a quarterback who's had a freaking amazing season, an amazing. Uh, career then have a really shitty season and yeah, you know you start oh should I freaking retire should I put it up you know? yeah it
0: almost becomes an expectation right
1: yeah yeah I mean I've been feeling like that because I, I started off the year well I mean I, if you count hunting here in January and February so I didn't get barely any time to hunt for myself in January uh, for deer in Arizona um I was busy helping other people. I got maybe, I think, three full days of hunting myself. I, I think I went on three or four stalks. Um, I shot a javelina in February, and I was pretty much guiding the rest of February for javelina for clients. Mm-hmm. Then, I didn't hunt all spring. Uh, that's not true. I did quite a bit of coyote hunting. Not a really great year in coyote hunting, but I don't usually count that
0: um that's like gravy isn't it just because i do that yeah, a lot here too I, man it, I,
1: don't, I don't i don't i don't really uh put that into the numbers that i you know I keep yeah. of. yeah yeah um but yeah i had a really good premier all year um but then so july my big king season started i went to california um missed a giant buck it was a shitty shot long long shitty shot should have never taken it anyway um I killed a hog. From there, I went to Utah. I skipped the early season here in Arizona, went to Utah, only was there for three and a half days. So, I made I found one deer that I wanted to, I, I literally made one stalk that in the three days that I was there, I found one deer that I was interested in
0: shooting.
1: Mm. Uh, and I, I, I almost connected. It was actually the first day that we were there, too. Um, then I went from I was supposed to go let's see that was August that was September I went to Oregon to chase Rosie's and second night or third night I can't remember I shot a bull but I hit him super low like flesh wound across the brisket uh huh um so obviously never recovered him it was actually B1 the next day. Um, never, never got a chance to connect on another one. Then I came back. Uh, it was September. Oh, I had a client here, and we had the most. Ter- we had the most terrible year. I had two L clients this year, and they were both in, Seven East. Which
0: is okay, yeah.
1: Quite possibly the worst unit in Arizona right now because <laughs> they've killed off so many of the elk. It used to be a stellar unit, it was yeah, an amazing unit. But they're trying to um, save the aspen trees, so they've like tripled the amount of tags in there for like the last seven, eight years. Oh, and that doesn't it's help. It's just it's absolutely terrible. Yeah, okay. um, terrible, terrible line. And we had some opportunities. We still had opportunities. We just didn't connect. Um, so I, 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 helped, I helped the guy out on that hunt. And then, let's see, I got—I was supposed to go in October. I was supposed to go to Idaho. Uh, so I really can't fault myself for not filling those tags. But uh, I didn't end up going. Mm. Chad Roberts and I were going together. He ended up going by himself and shooting a bull, nice bull. Gotcha. Um, but I went to New York. I went to New York um, instead because the reason why I didn't go to Idaho was because my wife's cousin was getting married and we're close and whatnot. So I didn't want to miss the wedding. Yeah. Um, so I uh, I went to New York instead to the wedding, had a few days to hunt, got a, a bucket of dough with my, my recurve, which was awesome because. I had never killed one with a recurve I hadn't, and I hadn't hunted with a recurve since the 80s. Um, so, uh, that was a really cool experience and probably the highlight of my my season thus far. And yeah,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, got back from that and we, I went with uh, Charles Whitman to um, South Dakota. He came with me to where I, where I usually hunt there. I run hunts off of a giant, uh, out ranch over there. And, um, man, we were on deer. I just, I just, everything just kept falling apart on me, falling apart on me. Like, so the last day, um, Charles got frustrated because he, he wounded a buck, probably the biggest buck we had seen the whole trip. Um, Hmm. He shot at it, and the buck turned right as the arrow got to me. I got it on video. You could, I mean, you got to really slow it down to see it, but the buck turns, and the arrow shoots him like right up the ass. Oh,
0: Texas nice. hard, huh?
1: Well, hard. if it wasn't Texas hard, it would have been better. But
0: oh it, man, it was kind
1: of a, basically he shot his nuts off. Almost,
0: oh you know? shoot!
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, we refound the we refound the buck, um, and. I stalked him into about 15 yards, and he was just about to shoot him, and the buck just jumps up and whirls out of there we never found him again.
0: Mm.
1: I was in rape, so I don't know if he's dead. I don't know. Yeah. He was bleeding a lot, you know, so I don't, I don't know. But so we never recovered that anyway. So Charles got frustrated because he had wounded that big-ass buck, and he just— had so many opportunities and didn't capitalize he ends up shooting a, like a little you Yorn the last morning so now it's the last afternoon I still haven't killed anything I've I've uh I've managed to shoot a yucca uh instead of a deer <laughs> I'm the only time I pulled my bow back um I I was like ah I could sneak I could sneak it past this yucca and I didn't I hit the damn yucca mm. um anyway so last night I'm like we're gonna go hunt this different area this is this is um, it's a like creek bottom, and it's just open plains. It's completely different than what we've been hunting all all uh, week long. We were hunting these cedar breaks before that, so now it's just just wide open plains. And I had an opportunity in there the year before, and I said, "Well, I know what these deer do. They're all bedded in this creek bottom here, and then right before you know the evening, they start filtering out of this thing." And they come up onto these fields, and then outside of the property, there's winter wheat and and uh, alfalfa and all this other stuff. They're going to those those areas, you know. Yeah. So I'm gonna ambush. I'm like, I'm gonna set myself up in this spot. I know this really good spot in the creek bottom. Sure shit. I get there at like noon. Just got done packing his deer out. Got there about noon. I said, all right, you guys go, you know, glass around, whatever. Here's the radio contact me if you guys find something that's in a good spot for me to stalk but i'm gonna go sit down here till the night and it's like 10 degrees it's blowing like 20 miles an hour freaking cold as shit i'm all bundled up like the stave puff marshmallow man i got my (laughs) my sick of puffy on with a jet stream over it yeah multiple layers like three layers of freaking base layers and and puffy pants and all this stuff and i'm just sitting there like you know Looking like the guy from uh, Christmas Story, you know, <laughs> but, uh, so I'm, 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 I, in this, it's basically like, um, like a little cut that feeds down into this creek bottom. So I'm sitting in this cut. So I have the, um, the terrain is blocking where the, the view from where the deer were coming from, basically. So I could just keep popping my head over and looking up the cut to, or looking up the creek bottom to see if there's anything coming. So a couple hours passes, and I hadn't seen any deer yet, and I just laid back because I was just getting tired. I laid back, and I closed my eyes for a second, and that, that second turned into like 25 minutes. And I I popped up, and I'm like, oh, shit, I fell asleep. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, oh, my God. I looked down at my, my phone, and I'm like, oh, shit, it's like 3.30, <laughs> you
0: know?
1: The deer are moving.
0: Yeah, for sure. Prime and time.
1: I pop my head over, and there's four does right across like 100 yards from me. And I'm looking at the does and I look down and there's this giant buck, oh my God. He probably, not score wise, he wouldn't be the biggest buck, but he wide, wider than anything I've ever shot in my life. Probably 32, maybe 34, just laid out. Wow. Just wide. Wow. But he was cranking, so he probably would have scored, you
0: know, maybe, I don't know, 180-ish. That's a good deer right there. Oh yeah, yeah this was a hell of a good deer.
1: Um, just dark chocolate horns and he's and he's closer to me but I'm thinking to myself shit these these does are up on the side of the hill and he's down in the bottom like he's gonna go up to them those he's looking at him I'm like I start willing him I'm like come on come this way buddy. you want to come this way sure shit he starts walking my way and I'm like okay he's gonna get to the spot and I'm gonna have a 65 70 yard shot I'm just gonna I'm just gonna send it you know Anyway, he starts getting right about the part where he's going to come through this opening where I'm going to be able to shoot him. He's kind of like stops and then he turns and he comes towards me. So he's coming towards me, but I can't shoot him because I got a bush in my way. And it's like a cut bank Mm
0: -hmm. that I'm
1: in. So the closer he gets, the less and less of his body I see. Now all I see is antlers walking and he's probably only like 40 yards from me. Oh. But all I could see is the tips of his antlers. Below me were these like willows or alders or I don't even know what the hell they are, but these little sapling trees, basically. And I I had originally sat up here because I saw some rubs on it. I said if a buck comes down this, he's gonna stop and rub on this shit before he heads out to the field. Sure mm-hmm. shit, he came right to those right to those you know saplings and he starts rubbing the sapling. I could see the tree just going back and forth like that. So I drew back. And I come over the top of the, the cut bank, and he's right there, 30 yards, and I can't shoot him because the tree, he decided to go around the other side, and he's facing right at me. And the tree's between me and him. So I'm at full draw for two minutes. I'm starting to shake. Yeah. And he's and he's just beating the shit out of his tree, beating the shit out of his tree, and he never gives me a shot. So I let down, and I sit back down. And I'm just sitting there watching the tree do this back and forth, swaying back and forth. For at least ten minutes, he beat up the same tree for about ten minutes. So I'm just sitting there watching the tree, and all of a sudden I hear something over my left shoulder, and I'm like, "What the fuck is that?" And I kind of turn my head a little bit, and I can see ears coming over the bank. This those four does fed up over to me, and they were five five yards, <laughs> five yards from me. The doe pops her right head over, and she's looking right at me, and she's you know she's. Trying to figure out what, I, you know, bobbing her head, bobbing her head, trying to figure out what's going on right there. I'm just frozen solid. He's still beating the shit out of the tree. has no clue. He's looking. She's looking at me. She's looking at me. And I'm like, now, this has all gone down. I am freezing at this point. I'm starting to shake because I can't control my, like, I'm so cold. Yeah. I'm starting Core to body temps down. Yeah. It's just bad. I've just been getting beat up with wind for, you know, three plus hours. Now I was laying on the ground. And so she stops looking at me and she kind of like trots off and runs down to the um, back into the creek bottom around in front of me. So now she's out of sight. So I go to draw back because I know she's going to pop out here. When she pops out here, he's going to go right over to her. I'm thinking in my head, I can't get my freaking draw, my bow drawn back. I'm so cold. cold. I'm shaking so much and I got so much shit on. I'm trying to muscle it over, muscle it over, muscle it over, and I can't do it. Four times I tried. Now she's in front of me, and she stopped, and she's looking back at me. And I don't want to draw back on her looking at me. And I'm like, fuck. You know, if she busts, he's going to probably run with her. And I th- I probably should have just, you know, sky, sure. you know, crazy sky draws and just got drawn back. And when he popped out and shoot him, you know, hindsight's 20 I can hear him breathing, and he's lip-curling. And I can hear him, like, moaning. Like, I don't know if you ever hear, heard her freaking, uh, when they're, like, lip curling and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, that sound they make. You know, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I can hear him doing that. I'm like, son of a bitch. And he steps out at, like, 20 yards. And he's looking right at her. You know, and he's just kicking his head back, sniffing the air. And now I'm just frozen. Now I'm like, shit, if I try to draw back now, I'm screwed. Well, maybe he'll just keep walking and I can get a quartering shot out of him, you know. He turns and he looks right at me, looks at her, looks at me, looks at her, and then he takes off running. Ugh. So now I, now I jump up and I do a sky draw, and I guess because I, I could get drawn back now because I'm not trying to do like a nice slow concealed draw. Um, he jumps up and drops, shots up the, the hill across from me, across the creek bottom, and I, I had ranged over there a bunch of times and I'm like, okay, he's at 80 yards. And I shot at 80 and it went right between, you know, right under his legs, oh. like so close that he jumped straight up. Uh-huh. He was probably at 90, you know, or wow. 87 or something like that. And, uh, he took off and that was my, that was my only solid opportunity. And I was like, oh my God, I cannot believe that happened to me. I'm like, you know, I, I've never, I've never had that happen.
0: Sure yeah I, last, uh, last year
1: actually when i shot that bucket that's right there that's
0: a south dakota huh
1: um, when i shot him when i went to shoot him the first time i went to draw back and i couldn't get drawn back too because my clothes were in the way and i was freezing cold that morning too but i wasn't in a, in a real i was in an awkward position and then once i got on my knees i was really easy it was easy for me to draw back and i shot it at 75 yards but wow uh yeah, it was just oh, it was just heartbreaking because he was such a cool buck, man. He was such a cool buck.
0: Yeah. When I was uh when I was in Montana, on my uh, archery elk hunt, um, we we generally elk hunt the same area every year, and we we see deer up there, but never anything of any you know quality you know trophy class size or anything. But this year there was a band of five bucks running together. One was a had a triple fork. He was a I think a seven by six. <clears throat> typical mule deer, and then there was a four by four, really boxy frame, probably 26 27 wide, really deep forks. Mm-hmm. I put them in the 170 to 180 class range, um, and you just never see deer of that caliber uh, in this area that we all hunt. So it was an afternoon we were coming back from our morning hunt, and I uh, had glassed up these deer. I'm like, Well, I'm gonna go put a stock on this buck. He was bedded in sage, mm-hmm. had no idea. I looped around. I got above him at 60 yards uh, and was just sitting there waiting for him to make a move. Probably was sitting there for probably 30 minutes. Uh, all my buddies were down below videoing it because the buck was actually um, more, you know, attuned to my buddies down below than that he didn't even know I was there. And right. <clears throat> I start slowly stalking in a little closer to see if I could cut the distance. And there was two other bucks, a fork, and that big triple fork was off to my right, They got up. I didn't even see them in the sage. They popped up and alerted me. So I turn around, I look at them, and I see that triple fork, and I'm like, man, he's a nice buck too. So I range him. He was at like 80-something. So I was already set at 65 because I knew the sage that that 4x4 was sitting under. I went and I adjusted my, my sight to 85, and I went to draw back on that one, and that 4x4 stands up and turns around and looks at me. And I, when I realized how big he was, I went back to my bow, and I tried to get back to 65. And by that time, I went to draw, and, and he busted out. And uh, mm. I still have faint nightmares about that buck running That's away because right. you just, you know, it's it, it's that typical um, seeing them go over the skyline and how really big they are. And then they just kind of go over and down. It was that, it was that same thing. And, That's why, uh, just why I like, freaking Uff. hate
1: sliders, man. I, I know. I fucking hate them.
0: Yeah. I hate them. They're, to me,
1: I hear more stories like you just told me, or the ones where, oh shit, I forgot to freaking adjust and I shot in yeah. the room or shot under them. Yeah. Then that. And then the other thing, it's just a license for you to want to shoot further.
0: It is, you now, know.
1: Oh, I could dollar up to 120. We'll yeah. I make the shot.
0: Yeah. I no, make it all
1: the time in the backyard.
0: You're yeah. right. Yeah. That, yeah it,
1: I just, I, I'm so, I'm against sliders. I think they're great for 3D shoots. You yeah. Know?
0: But yeah i've been shooting that option site um that option archery puts out and i've I've mm-hmm. had that site for years and i I knew Dan when he was a trophy taker and and um, I, I've had a lot of success using that site. I mean, I I generally don't ever use my fixed pins. I'm typically always on my slider. Uh, and I and for the most part, I mean, my tape goes out to 110. My bubble shoots at 120. Um, mm-hmm. I won't shoot that far because I know if I'm at 120, I can get to 80. And if I'm at 80, I can probably get to 60. So um, I'm mm-hmm. gonna always try to work my way in to where I know I feel um, yeah. you know comfortable ethically uh, to take the shot. But um, you if know, I but, have a sight
1: that can shoot 120,
0: I'm shooting 120. Yeah, and, that's me. That's why you, I don't. I mean, if if I've got a place where I can't cut the distance and I'm at 100, I'm gonna let it fly if it's the if it's the right shot, right? And I and I'll I'll have no problem doing that. But if I know I can try to get closer, I'm gonna I'm gonna always try to get closer if I can and and cut some of the margin for error out um, if possible. Yeah. But. Um, yeah they are they are finicky and and that's i've I've had that happen a couple times and you know that's just a part of hunting you know it's it's, it's that's why we do it uh because we love right. it but um you know there all that equipment out there is, is only as good as we know how to operate it and use it so mm-hmm. yeah wow yeah. that's a cool story man
1: yeah it was, it was it was rough i'll tell you what um so what after that i've just, i haven't hunted for myself since then um i i went uh hunting with a fellow californian uh that i took on a late season archery hunt here also in that same unit seven east okay and i swear to god man i used to see 50 to you know 50 to 80 elk in a day wow and i think the seven days we were there, no five, excuse me, five days, five days, it's a five day hunt. Five days of hunting, we seen five bulls and wild cows. Jeez, mind you, one of the bulls was at like a three forty, and we got into about sixty yards on him, but oh wow, um, jeez, he didn't have a clear shot, but. uh yeah it was that was tough man it was a tough tough hunt i felt so bad for him um you know he was busting his ass Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things we yeah we we busted our ass i mean i put miles miles on the truck and we've looked over so much country and i mean my eyes felt like they were bleeding (laughs) i glass so much
0: yeah so, That's what you got to do, though. I mean, to find those those yeah. better bulls like that in the later part of the season, you got to sit behind glass and try to turn them up, you know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was rough. And then, uh, you know, and then I just went on the sheep on it. I'm going to go back and help him if he doesn't tag one out this uh, this weekend. But, um, yeah, and that was just another rough. I just, like, feel like this season's kind of – I feel like I'm snake bit, but <laughs> when I hear myself telling the stories, I'm like, ah, it's not so bad. It's yeah. just – like, it just feels
0: bad. Yeah, <laughs> it really felt like a long year. I I, I don't know. Maybe for me, because I you know I I was all over the place. But um, some of these trips, you know, like I said, I did <clears throat> 20 days on the road. I shot up to Montana for about 10 days, and then went down to New Mexico. And it just I don't know. It just right. felt like so long. And I guess when you're gone for those for, for those you know periods of time, you look back on it, and, and of course it's like a blur. But when you're in it, uh, it's it's just you know it it is yeah. it's like every emotion uh, you know known to man i mean you're in elk and then you're not and then you get close to a bull and you don't get a shot and it's just you're up and down all the time and you know if you're anyone yeah. like i'm sure like you were like me you know you take that stuff pretty hard uh, and uh, oh, but you know so you pick yourself up and and you know you move on to the next hunt but uh, it just you know it's if, if all we did was go out and never you know punch a tag then you know we'd have to buy meat from the store and part of my reason is is oh, I, lo- I love the experience you know mm-hmm. uh, which is a big part of it but I also you know I also got to feed people's mouths too so um, mm-hmm. so that's the other part of it that is the reason why I do it so you know there there's there's definitely uh, there's definitely that aspect of it to it as well so
1: yeah for sure Well, cool so you're you're done for the year then
0: yeah so. Turkey season, um, falls turkey season goes through this weekend. I'm going to try to get out this weekend and see if I can't turn up a few birds. Um, and then, um, yeah, basically my my next season will be trade shows. Um, this year, currently, I did Dallas Safari, Sheep, Western Hunting Expo, and then the Rendezvous in Boise. Um, right. This coming year, uh, I'm going to work uh, the First Light booth at the Sheep Show in Reno. So this year, because SCI is coming back to Reno, um, it pushed the Sheep Show out into February. Um, So sheep and the hunting expo are actually back to back in February uh, when SCI comes to Reno in January. So I'm probably just going to do the sheep show and the Western hunting expo this year. Uh, And then first light reached out and uh, wanted to see if I could help them uh, at the sheep show. So uh, Reno's about a six hour drive. So I'll buzz up there for that. And I usually go anyway, do some podcasts. It's always good to go to the shows and catch up with, you know, buddies and everyone else in the industry and, and do that. So yeah. So I'll hit some of the trade shows and then, you know, um, you know, from there it'll be spring and then I'm back basically back into, you know, doing pig hunts and, uh, I'm going to try to line up more clients this year. I did successfully take out my first Thule elk hunter this year and we got a nice seven by seven this year. So that was cool. Um, and, uh, yeah, just a lot of pig hunts lined up, um, uh, maybe some Turkey hunts. Uh, and then the only thing I have on the books for 19, uh, is I'm going back to Alaska. I booked a, um, um, near Peninsula on Antioch area uh, for for a moose. So me and my buddy oh, yeah. are going to go up and do a DIY drop camp uh, moose hunt, 15 day moose hunt with our bows uh, in uh, in mid September. So we're looking forward to doing that. And that's that's obviously going to be a grind for 15 days, two guys trying to get two moose out. Um, it's going to be basically drop in on a float plane, uh, meet back here this day, you know, this time in, in 15 days, and we're going to have to have two moose packed out. So, um, but he's the kind of guy, he's like me, where he's up to, you know, that challenge. So, so I'm looking forward to that. Yes. And then, you know, who knows what we'll draw. I apply in, you know, like 14 states. So um, I'll try to plan my, my fall season to where I don't overlap too many things, but, um, you know, may draw a few tags here or there and, and make the best of it. So, yeah, 19 is going to be busy again, but, uh, you know, always looking forward to what's around the corner and what's next. So, Wait.
1: Wait. I have no clue what I'm doing for 19. Zero. <laughs> I still got quite a bit of honey, though. So. Yeah, it's for actually, sure. My, my honey gets better now. Yeah. I mean, cheap <laughs> I to meet and, and here yeah. in Arizona for the next two months.
0: Yep.
1: So, um, and, and do quite a bit of Abilene hunting, which I always love doing. It's fun. A good time of year to be out there and nothing else going on i don't yeah. feel like i'm taking away from anything else so. yeah yeah sweet well cool man i'm glad we finally got together you and i've been talking about doing a podcast I know again for like two years i know
0: <laughs> i know it's it's always crazy just trying to align schedules you know you'd think yeah. you'd be able to cut an hour out of your schedule to do it and it's just it is it's tough We're, we all lead busy yeah. lives so well good deal yeah
1: yeah wish you luck on your turkey hunts there and yeah. on will see you at the western expo i'm probably not going to go to anything else this year i got way too much shit going on and we're already like booking up for next year so i don't really need to go and do any like sales stuff sure you know
0: yeah um, you know that's a that's such a great show i when i think about all the trade shows you know the reason i like that show i mean the sheep sheep show a great show too but it's, a, been... it, it's a niche group right and, and sheep hunters yeah. are You know they're extreme they're extreme they're they're different than the safari club guys the safari club guys are typically you know they have a lot of money and they like to go do you know international hunts which is cool you know which is nothing wrong with that but what I like about the Western Hunting Expo is it's just Western big game, right? And of course, yep. you got the shot, the five-dollar tags, uh, and all the vendors yep. are there. All you know, all the names are there, and it's just a great show. Salt Lake always hosts a, a really great great forum there, so um, I enjoy that show. I think you and I connected a little bit last year as well uh, at that yep. show and just hooked yeah. up a little bit. So, yeah, that's a that's a great show.
1: Cool, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. Yeah. And, uh... Good luck. We'll
0: talk soon. Yeah, sounds good. Just uh, one last thing. Just a plug for sure. for my for my podcast. So, um, you know, you can find it uh, RNA Outdoors. I'm on iTunes. I'm on uh, Podbean. Um, so you can find it um, also. Uh, on Stitcher as well. So, um, you know, some, you know, take a look, subscribe. Uh, I'll probably release this one along with you. I'm trying to record it as well. Uh, and then we've got all the social media outlets. You can find us, uh, it's either RNA outdoors or RNA stands for rod and arrow outdoors. Um, so you can find it there. Uh, and, uh, yeah, check us out. And, uh, if you like what you hear, you know, subscribe and, we usually release one to two a month i don't really set any type of format but um i can't crank them out quite like you do john but um (laughs) uh, but i do try to to do you know at least a couple a month and get them out there and and keep people you know somewhat interested in what what we've got going on so
1: nice yeah keep doing what you're doing yeah you're doing a good job with it yeah i enjoy i enjoy your podcast yeah i guess I guess if you're going to put this on your end, I might as well plug mine as well. Yeah. If you guys want to check out my podcast and you're a fan of uh, <laughs> of Lucas's, it's uh, inter- interviews with the hunting masters. And yeah, pretty much find me anything. I'm on, seriously, every player there is. So um, yeah, check it out. For sure. Cool, man. I will, uh, I'll talk to you soon.
0: Yeah, good talking to you, John. Good luck on your hunts. And uh, maybe I'll see you in Salt Lake in February. Sounds good. All right, man. Take care. Ladies. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device. Search for RNA Outdoors and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, and get involved with conservation efforts and know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, go farther, stay longer.